You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello again, and welcome to Gobbler Country's Talking Turkey. This is John Schneider with our slightly delayed podcast, and my guest host, well, not my guest host, my my co-host, Brian Manning. One day, I think we'll have a guest host, it's going to depend, is going to end up doing a, a call with Brian and me as far as the basket, when the basketball season gets a couple of games in, we'll do a podcast on basketball. But tonight, Brian, what's this one about? Hey, John, how are you this evening? Uh, <laughs> a little tired, but hey, it's time to uh, time to talk about something that probably should have been an amazing victory and turned into sort of a not so hard, well, to some people, not so hard to swallow. I don't like losing at all, ever, under any circumstances, especially under the circumstances we saw this weekend. But about the 21-20 loss to Notre Dame, in South Bend, kind of this is the review show, and this is where we sort of kind of play Monday morning, or in this case, Tuesday evening quarterback, and talk about what we saw, what we thought, where where we're going with this. So, Brian, I'm always being chastised by our editor that I need to shut up sometimes. Why don't you give me your rundown on it? So, so, so how you feel about it? Well, it, excuse me. There was a disappointing game in in every aspect because, like you, I hate. I think every loss is bad, and we got a young team, and everybody gets sick of hearing that, and I get sick of saying it. And it is true; it is a young team. But man, that 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 win would have been so much. Uh, would have meant so much, I believe, because nobody wants to hear about moral victories going into South Bend, and maybe Notre Dame's not as good as they were last year. They aren't, but. It was encouraging because because of last year Tech with this, uh, almost the same team, minus a couple of guys who who had attitude issues and who no, who are no longer here. It was mostly the same team that last year was within one point at the half, and then in the second half imploded and just got blown out of Lane Stadium. This time they went into South Bend. They had they fought. Some, they were going through some adversity. Starting quarterback was out. And several injuries, especially in the secondary, with Waller getting ejected there in the second half, Farley getting hurt again. And it, the kids kept fighting. It was it was an encouraging sign, and I was impressed by the team. I'm not. I, I don't want to say that things are turned around, but I, but I'm I'm encouraged by the team. There's there's no there's no quit in this team, and I think many people around the program, fans and alumni and everything else, really believed after that implosion against Duke 
that's going to be the end. And and I, and I think Fuentes has done a good job of steering the ship and getting these kids believing on the same thing. And, and I thought, Bud, we'll get into more of the last drive later, but I thought Bud called his best game last weekend. And, you know, Oh, he called, he called seven eighths of an amazing football game. Yeah, he did. And, and, you know, we all can disagree with the last drive and, and I did disagree with some of it, but you know, he knows more about football than anybody that listens to this or talks about it for the most part. So he deserves the right to, uh, you know, you know, he. I'm sure if he said publicly, he would say that he doesn't regret anything. I'm sure privately, he probably does. Well, the the upshot that we run into is that at this stage, like I said, we we reset after that Duke. Duke was probably it might have been a necessary shock. Sometimes a young bunch of kids needs to get seriously hammered, you know, slobber knockered in order to wake them up and make them focus and make them pay attention to what they're doing. Cause they sort of kind of cruising. And that's kind of what happened going into the Duke game. They were kind of sort of, and, and you could feel that there was like no energy during that game. Well, all the other games, <laughs> it's exactly the opposite. It seems like this team has come out with energy, with it, with enthusiasm and with, at least the defense right now. And we'll talk about that on the offense in a few. But let's, let's split split up the game. Let's talk a little bit about that offense. We had Quincy Patterson as quarterback. We had uh, the offensive line. They, they, they all need a big pat on the back. That offensive line worked really hard and did a good job on pass blocking and their influence blocking and stuff on Saturday. They kept Quincy on his feet. Yeah, I think I was sent you a text there in the fourth quarter. Yeah. I think probably about midway through, it was it was our it was our second to last drive, not the last drive where we turned the ball over, but at the end, basically a heave. But where I thought we got two first downs, and our, and our offensive line, all those freshmen and sophomores, they were moving people off the ball, and we we got two. They knew the run was coming, and yet we could we got two first downs, but then. Then we stalled. I think I would have loved to have seen, obviously, a couple more first downs in the game would have ended, I think. But uh, it's it was encouraging seeing those kids start to move people around. And going up, doing that to North Carolina or even a uh, mid-tier ACC program, which most of them are, but is one thing. But to go to South Bend, and one thing you cannot criticize another name about is line play on – they're NFL players on both the offensive and defensive line for Notre Dame. So when you got these kids for the Hokies pushing people around, moving the moving the line of scrimmage, that's an encouraging sign for me. I was thrilled with that. Everybody who's seen the Twitter feeds knows what I thought of the offensive play calling. I think everybody who's responded, there were only a couple of people that, that gave us a hard time, one or the other. But we'll talk about the defense and the last stand of the defense as it was no last stand of the defense later but right now let's talk about what ended up handing the game to Notre Dame and that was that second to last time we had the ball and it was less than four minutes left in the fourth quarter and for some inexplicable reason the offense stopped calling effective I mean, there was no effective plays called it was tanked two plays into the middle of the line and then the pass play I guess that one really didn't happen, didn't did it? It just sort of broke down, 
and he ran for it. I can't exactly remember. I'd have to go back and look at the replay of the game. But the last drive looked like it was going to start to do okay, and then they got all real conservative, like, oh, my God, we need to stop. We can't do this. We're going to risk him too much. I almost think we can say they can say it was because of Quincy or whatever because he was making his first no, start. No, Quincy, I don't give him that. Quincy, Quincy's not okay. We've we've determined that Quincy's problem is Quincy can't pass very well. I mean, he just he's not that good. I'm I'm starting to think that his number should be forty four and well, not four. You know, I want to I want to I don't want to let them off the hook because he was your quarterback. So you know they 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 were comfortable enough to throw twenty eight times and. And while his numbers were bad, I think he completed thirty percent of his passes. They were not all on him. I mean, there was a, there were a, a lot, lot of drops. drops. And Quinn, and then you know, it was some things like ball placement. I saw some encouraging things, and and I definitely think that he's still probably another whole season away from being ready to start at this level, if if ever. Which I hope. I definitely see things there that they're there to work with him. In the win against North Carolina, I saw he didn't throw a lot, but his throws are on the money. So, yeah, so I, I, I can't, I don't know what to attribute that to. I don't know. I mean, he's from that area of the country, so the cold can't possibly been part of it. So when we come back from the break, we'll talk about a little bit about the offense and then go into the defense uh, as far as what happened at the end of the game. So if everybody will just hang on, there'll be the proverbial message about something that they think they can sell. And we'll be back in a second. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Talking Turkey. Before the break, we were talking about the offense, specifically the game plan and the play of quarterback Quincy Patterson. And the one thing I noticed there, you could tell the game plan was so much around being afraid of Quincy. And, you know, I I completely, that startles me a bit because I think there's a good player there, and I think you, sh- you need to focus on the things he does well. And I think one thing I did not like, if they're going to, you have to throw the ball to win, especially Notre Dame. So, I wanted to see, and we've talked about it all year, and it's gotten better since Hooker took over. I want to see James Mitchell and Dalton Keene more involved, and I think that could have helped Quincy quite a bit on Saturday. Inter- intermediate routes, some drags, some decent high percentage, even a couple of screen pads. I would have lived with a couple of tunnel screens. Yep. Something, anything to sort of loosen up that inside Get Keen out in, in a half-wheel route or that wheel route that Rodgers used to run that Keen can actually run too. Do something intermediate that goes eight yards down the field to, to loosen up. They would open up on first down and try to get fancy and then throw a 20, 30-yard pass. And I'm like, no, if you're going to throw a pass on first down, throw one that you are almost guaranteed to get and grab like eight yards. The thought pattern doesn't seem to be there. It's a very vertical look at things. and They're very, very lack of outside thought. So when Patterson was running to the outside, it was after some sort of stutter step delay or something like up the A-gap and the A-gap collapsed. So he'd go, try the B-gap, but the B-gap was already collapsed because it happened too slowly. The read option is starting to be a high school offense and it's starting to disappear or be, at least be controlled and less effective inside because teams are learning to dope it out. They're learning that this is what's going to happen and these are the two players to key on and you hit both of them. You hit the quarterback and the running back. You don't worry about one or the other. You assign 
the defensive end to hit one guy and the middle linebacker to hit the other guy. And you flop that off. You flip flop that off every once in a while to sort of throw the offense up. Well, Cornelson doesn't seem to be picking that up. He hasn't understood that to loosen that up and to get people out of the box, you've got to throw the ball. And to do that, you can't throw it deep. You have to throw it beyond the people in the box, which is, you know, eight yards, 10 yards. Dalton Keene touched the ball twice, and they were both on handoffs. Enough with that. I'm not saying you can't do it, but that needs to be a, a surprise sneak kind of a play where you do it once a game or something. You don't know when it's coming. You need to stop doing that. He needs to have the ball in his hands down the field. Make life easier on your quarterbacks. Involve the, these tight ends. They're too good not to be involved, especially when your receivers are having an off day. Trey Turner doesn't have too many off days. He had an off day on Saturday. Help these kids out. These are young players. Help them out. It's a coach's yeah. job. That, that, and that's the that's my that was my major offensive complaint. It wasn't with the kids. They were playing their hearts out. They were busting butt. Quincy Patterson was trying everything within his play packages to do something. And he was just not given good play packages. He just wasn't given good looks. And they don't develop an offensive rhythm. They're, okay, no more of this run-up. Do the herky-jerky at the line of scrimmage. Everybody look back at who's signaling the plays in and then go back to it and, you know, and then run up the middle. You know, I heard that so many times. I heard it from Jay. I heard it from other people other people oh gee wow look at this we go to the line we do some fancy read we everybody looks back and then what do we do run up the middle so there's no rhythm or pace to the offense at all fine if you're going to huddle up huddle up get that nice sharp uh hank stram huddle you know huddle up get everybody to break get up to the line of scrimmage step up to the line of scrimmage and go don't do this run up the line of scrimmage Wait to find out what the defense might or might not look like it's doing, which if I'm the defense, I'm going, okay, well, I'm just going to line up in any old way. And then as soon as they make their signals and stuff, I'm going to change what I'm doing, you know? So, so your audible, your quote unquote audible was just a waste of time. So get up there and play ball, call good plays, play ball, stop with the silliness and, and it doesn't work. Yeah. Before we, wrap things up on the offensive side of the ball and look at the defensive side of the ball. I want to make a quick note about Quincy is we, we've only seen a few games of Hooker yet, so we can't – we don't know the completely finished product yet, and he's not a finished product. He's still underway. But the growth we've seen uh, from him since he stepped on campus two seasons ago is amazing. Let's let fans think about that before they start writing off Quincy after that game about his inaccuracy. I call that an anomaly for right now. And we might not see him that much for the rest of the game because it looks like Hooker's probably going to start Wake. At least it looks like that's probably going to happen. From all indications, from what I gathered from Puente, not only is Hooker going to be ready to go this weekend, Keyshawn King should be back too. So we'll see on that. Honestly, they need to put the risk out there. They need to stop being risk adverse. They need to put it all on the field. And this is the coaching staff. And this goes with the defense now. This we're going to tag to the defense. The defense almost won the game, and then it lost the game. And the reason why it did was Bud Foster violated the primary rule of defense. When you go prevent, you better be more than one score ahead. you got to be at least three or four scores ahead. And if you're going soft, if you're going to rush three and go soft and drop 
by the time you get to the other guy's 40, by the time he reaches his own 40 to the 50-yard line, you need to change that defense now and start applying pressure. There's nothing behind you to get behind you anymore at that point. You've eaten up as much clock by keeping them in front of you as you're going to eat up. And he needed to make the conversion. His blitz packages, people think he was running. I heard several people say, oh, he's been running a three-man rush all day. Not really. He was running a three-man rush and then supplementing it with a fourth or fifth man, depending. Yeah, I think that final drive, part of the problem was, I wonder if Bud was it had in the back of his mind what was going on in the secondary. If he wanted to bring pressure, he was concerned because he knew his top two corners were out. I think you're right, Brian. I think that was the issue. I think he thought, okay, I'm short. I've got Chapman in. Chapman's didn't doing really well, but he's young and he could get beat. I think he started to overthink himself. I think he just needed to be Bud Foster and at the 50-yard line go, okay, it's time for bug nuts blitzes. I think um, as far as Chapman goes, the, the last two games we've seen the most of him. I've I've been really impressed by him and his growth already, and I think he's going to be a player for us in the future. The player, and I don't want to criticize him too hard because it's not fair almost, but the, the player that's that I struggle with in the secondary is Quillen. I think we're we're probably up against it here for a break, and we'll we'll kind of wrap the defense up. But I'll kind of the play that I'm referring to with Quillen is that it was a fourth and ten at the 33 yard line, just under a minute left, and I was so believing this was going to be it. We got him fourth and ten, and Chase Claypool, their top receiver, big target, who's a tough cover for anyone. So you got to respect Quillen for that one. That's a tough cover, but he gives him too much space. And then when Claypool actually cuts, Quillen slips, and Claypool's got inside leverage. It's an easy 25-yard gain, first and goal. That's when you knew it was over. But I was very disappointed in that. But yeah, as, that you, was that was the that was the key play, and that was the one where I thought, okay, you needed to. St- that was the one where I thought that the blitz package should have gone in. At fourth and ten, Bud Foster should have said, "Screw it, we're going for the blitz." And we're going to drop this guy behind the line of scrimmage. We've got to get everybody involved. And I mean, yeah. I would have, I would have sent the house. I would have just teed up and sent the house. And I'm thinking if we had had a regular defense in there with the regular guys, he probably would have done that. But this time he didn't. And that, I guess you guess sometimes you take a chance and you lose. And this time he took a chance and he played soft again and one-on-one with a bigger receiver than the cover guy and and he got beat. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back, talk about the general things about the game and kind of sort of take a step to what we might think is going to happen, get ready for Wake Forest. And we're back. If we actually had a commercial break, we've had a few of those that, that somehow or another didn't end up with commercial breaks, but you know, we'll we'll see. Maybe one day somebody will fill that one in. What we've got is uh, just trying to kind of put a bow on this game, the Notre Dame game. Losses are always painful. I hate losses. I hate losses. This victory would have been proof positive that things had turned around. Right now, we're in midterm, but I'm seeing good things. I'm seeing a team that's pulling together finally, that seems to be gathering a character Brian, I think you put your finger on it earlier. This team doesn't give up. 
It started that last year. They kept fighting last year. They kept that up this year. You remember the kid fights you used to get into, you know, where you got the chest pushing, oh yeah, matches and guys like swinging, but it's mostly air. Well, yeah, they were fighting, but they were kind of swinging at air. Well, this year they're making contact. And this year they're actually trying after Duke and they surrendered at Duke. You could see the white flags go up before the, before the, the half, the first half was over. This team right now on the field is not throwing any white flags anywhere. So yeah. I don't know how you feel about it. No, I'm no, I'm disappointed. A five and three record, uh, as we all are. But at the end of the day, we weren't winning a national title this year, and I'm more disappointed with the recruiting efforts going on than I am the, the what's what I'm seeing on the field. But but that's not a discussion for now. I'm proud of, of the effort these kids are putting out there every week, and I'm glad that no one especially after that Duke game, they didn't turn on each other. They didn't turn on the coaches. And you don't have a bunch of kids hitting the transfer portal. We, I think we've seen what in season one port, one guy hit the portal. Yeah. And, and then went to, and went to junior college. So, yeah. So, you know, I, I'm very impressed with the, with the group of kids and I want to see them finish strong. I want to see them finish nine and three, but this weekend's going to be tough. I mean, uh, Wake Forest epitome of a well-coached team. It's a team that, they build their team with two and three star recruits and they don't always see the field early. They develop them over two and three, four years and they got a good quarterback. They're explosive offense. It's going to be a huge challenge for, for coach Foster. And honestly, they're a better offensive team than Notre Dame. And they may not have the top recruits, but they're better. Well, they have an offensive coordinator that seems like he's got his act together. Yeah. the, The head coach has a good background too. So yeah. It's a good it's a good team and now everybody needs to calm down. Their their record's very good, but their schedule they haven't played they've played a schedule very similar to ours. So they haven't played as a matter of fact, I don't think they've really played any super hard teams this year. So, you know, that that's a trap. It's college teams when you're talking about the kinds of players that we're talking about, two and three star at the most players. A lot of teams have two and three star players. So really a lot of teams in the kind of peloton of the ACC or of NCAA football are pretty much the same. They're very similar as far as talent levels. So Wake Forest is very much a match for us. And it's going to be a battle of peers that have had a slightly different schedule look at a slightly different win-loss ratio. But this is going to be a serious challenge for both schools and both football teams. I think the Hokies have got a good chance of winning it, but not if our offense barely gets out of its own way and scores 20 points. I'm excited to see Hendon Hooker back in the lineup Saturday. I think that'll be a momentum boost for the kids. I think on offense, they'll be happy to have Hooker back. I think it's Quincy. They'll just be happy to have their leader back. They'll get a little bit of a lift from that. I think after the way the the crowd was at North against the North Carolina game, granted it's a different opponent. North Carolina's hated, and Wake Forest isn't hated. I just hope the crowd brings the same energy. Fortunately for us, it's a three thirty kick, and those usually bode well for for the crowd because of those early noon kickoffs. You got kids are are still in bed, hung over, whatever. But <laughs> three thirty, I believe, is a good kick, and and I think the fans we're playing for something show up and and be loud yeah 
I mean, you're going to be there. At least you haven't been called into work this weekend. Nope, I'll be uh, there. And I'll be on the on the sideline with camera in hand. I just wish Brian had been there for Carolina just because, A, I would have loved to have seen Brian up at the, 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 that tomb chewing on the table as Tech was, you know, going into the overtime, into the nth overtime. And I would have, I would have just, being down on the field would have been amazing. But I guess that didn't happen and we live with what we live with. But I'm hoping Wake is just as exciting as it was for Carolina. Yeah. I think this team needs that energy. Yeah, I just hope it's not exciting anymore at the beginning of the fourth quarter so we can relax and, and look forward to a 6-3 and three record and, and look forward to the next opponent. Because Yeah, I'd like to actually have a lead. I would like a lead and don't want to be facing any kind of late-game drama. Yeah, that would be nice to to close out a solid win against a solid opponent that you respect and you just got the better of it. I'm hoping that we do that and I'll start to see what the energy levels look like when I'm down on the field taking pictures in the warm-ups. You can really tell who's up and who's just sort of there. And uh, like before the Duke game, I just saw no energy. I saw no anything going on the team just wasn't checked in sometimes i think the band had more energy well sometimes the band does have more energy anyway but i i want to see i want to see what they're going to be like coming up on saturday afternoon it's going to be cold they're expecting the high at 48 so it's going to be cold i'm going to get my warmers and my, and my gonna have to have my double hoodie up and and everything and the camera is going to be it runs pretty well when it's a little cool out because when it gets hot and the battery gets hot, it starts firing slower. So I like when it picks up and it's a little cooler outside, but uh, it's going to be, I think it's going to be an exciting football game on Saturday. It means this game and the next three games are really pivotal. We've got to win two of the next three because the UVA game is going to be hard. And I'm trying to think too far down the road but the UVA game's going to be hard. It's going to be up in Scott Stadium, and we need to cool the braggadocio and realize the fact that to win the last game of the season, this team has really got to go in there with a head of steam. They need to win two of the last three and hopefully three of the last the next three. That's right. So it, each game is going to set up the next. So – you know, that's it for the evening or this particular podcast, because you could be listening to it in the morning. I don't know. But, you know, we'd like to tell you all thanks for listening to us. We're going to keep this going. It's been fun. We'll have a preview show and then we're going to have uh, the wrap show after the football game. It's going to depend on what time the football game gets out as to whether or not we record it on uh, Saturday night or Sunday. I got a feeling because Brian's got a long drive back home and we'll record it on the Sunday afterward. But everybody take care. And as always, go, go Hokies. Hokies.